I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit DizzyPigBarbecue.com and use the coupon KIME15, that's K-E-I-M-15, for 15% off your order shipped in the U.S. Good time to order some holiday gifts for your family or friends. Take advantage of the discounts, folks. Today, a victory podcast. I'm joined by Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch as we talk about the 25-3 win over Dallas. What does this win mean? What should you feel good about? Some differences in Antonio Gibson and a lot more. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have an analysis up on the game right now. You can follow Michael on Twitter at MichaelPRTD. Before I share my conversation with Michael, I want to give you my observations. Let's start with the news on safety Landon Collins. I was told after the game that the fear is that he has torn his Achilles and will be out for the season. He will undergo an MRI Monday to confirm the news, but the team is expecting some bad news. Michael and I discussed this more, and you can get his opinion then, but with a young defensive group, you hate to use anyone like this. He wasn't playing great, though today was his best game. But it's also what he means in terms of his preparation, etc. He's a worker. He's a studier. I do think he's a good mentor for a lot of the young players, even though he's only 26 himself. I like Cam Curl, who entered for him, but he's also a rookie and now tasked with playing a different role. He was good as a third safety, where he could be up in the box. He was covering the tight ends of the slot at times. But now he's, now he's going to have a different role. Sometimes he's going to have to be deep in a two-safety look. I also think that not enough has yet been said about, by the way, I think we'll see if Curl can handle it. I don't know. I know they, they really liked him. We'll see. I also don't think enough has been said yet about DeShazer Everett and his play over the last two games. i got to say he's been this pro bowler, but he has studied the backfield and he's even made some nice plays in coverage. He's always, and he, he comes up with a physical style. He's always been someone who fits the description of a good backup and a key special teamer but now he's getting an extended chance to prove that he can be more, something I think he's always wanted. He can also play Collins' role in, in various situations, and that's because of what Kendall Fuller offers, assuming that Troy Apke doesn't go back in. Now, Apke did go in the game later, but he was up near the line of scrimmage when I saw him in there. They also use Fuller again today as a safety in obvious passing situations, something they've done in recent weeks. I recall a couple times in particular today and one time where they did that and one time where he took away, I think it was on a um, fourth down play, where he took away an option for Andy Dalton with the way he broke on a potential target. Fuller is smart, but what he does is he gives Washington's defensive coaches a little bit more flexibility that they'll need with Collins likely done for the year. And I talked briefly about this with Michael too, but I never saw Collins getting traded at the deadline. Teams just aren't going to give up that much for him plus take on that salary. 
I know a lot of you want to see some vets traded and to help with you know, getting more picks for and more assets for the rebuild. And, I, and they're, they're definitely, they're always going to listen. That's always true with them. Just like with the Chase Young pick, they were always going to listen for that number two pick, but they all, but it had to be a really, it has to be the right offer for the right person, et cetera, et cetera. They're not trading anyone just who's considered part of their core, and there really aren't a lot of guys aside from that that teams would want. The guys with value are the guys they want to keep. And I told you last time on the podcast that no one yet had called on Ryan Kerrigan or Dwayne Haskins, and that they'd like to keep Kerrigan. Of course, if there's a really good offer for someone, then absolutely I could see them trading somebody if somebody's willing to come in and give that. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I know they value Kerrigan for his leadership, and they'd like to see him continue here for that reason. But, you know, all it takes is one team. But that's what I knew as of a few days ago. Back to the game. Cole Holcomb's presence at linebacker has really helped. He's a guy I know some of the organization were really excited about before training camp. He has good play speed, and that makes a difference at that position, of course. I'll be curious what I see when I go back and re-watch this game and how he really did, but my instant impression is that he just made his presence felt. In some cases, it was just by being decisive with his reads and filling gaps. With that front, doing just that will enable you to make plays, and it hasn't always happened this season. One of the things before this game that I felt was an issue at linebacker was you'd see guys getting doubled up front, and you wouldn't see guys making plays behind them. That's a problem. That's why I didn't feel like, you know, with the run game, it, you know, any issues they had had, even against the Giants, it usually wasn't because the line's getting moved off the ball. It's because they're getting doubled and people aren't capitalizing on that. They're, they were slow to react, etc. So I thought that was something that it seemed like Holcomb did well today. The way he blew up El- Ezekiel Elliott on that, on that one blitz, the sack was huge. His interception was just a nice reaction play. It's funny, too, because in college, he was a big film study guy. It helped turn him from a nobody into a draft pick. He's never needed to be pushed into watching film. But in college, when you watch, you watch film in the NFL, you study film, and there's a difference. And I think guys always come here with that you know, and, and learn the difference. But the baseline for him is that he was already somebody who watched a lot of it. So it wasn't like he had to be pushed to watch film. He just had to learn how to process what he was seeing in a better way to help him make more decisive plays on the field. And I think we've seen that. He said that that was something he paid attention to during his time on the sidelines when he was hurt this season. It's making a difference. If he can, if he can play well, it gives Washington another building block moving forward, and that would be a good thing. On that film stuff too, one of the guys who I think has helped with that is John Bostic. I think I told you, I've told you this before, but Bostic is a really good mentor for someone like him because he knows how to watch film, and he's a big junkie, film junkie himself. Those two running back sets were nice today and played a factor on two big runs by rookie Antonio Gibson. Michael and I again talk more about Gibson, but I want to talk about two plays in particular. On the touchdown, what I loved is kind of similar to that 40-yard run as well. They used J.D. McKissick to run one way on the touchdown. He ran out to the right, um, and and they came back to the other side with Gibson. On that touchdown, linebacker Jalen Smith bit hard on McKissick's McKissick's action. Then basically that took out someone who could have helped on a cutback run. Smith wasn't alone in getting fooled by that. It looked like half the Dallas defenders went with McKissick and with the action of the line, but that was key. I also liked that Gibson pressed the hole a lot better on this run. He got one yard depth behind the line, sucked into the vendors of that side, and cut back through the opening. Again, without Smith there, there was, it was, just became a, a, a lot easier run. Just a nice play. 
On the 40-yarder, again, McKissick, this time McKissick goes to the left. Um, Gibson runs behind the line, gets the, gets the, you know, gets the ball, and you know, Jalen Smith gets out of position again. So, again, when there's, there just takes out one fast guy from being able to fill a gap on the outside. Now, Wes Schweitzer and Cam Sims led Gibson around the right end. Sims didn't throw a massive block on the play, but he got the corner to widen simply by being in the right place. It's a bad play by the corner, but a nice job by Sims being there, and that mattered. But it was the use of those two running back, set, running back sets with real threats that I think helped. Also, it was clear that they felt they could target Smith in the run game, and it worked. I'll have to rewatch um, some more definitively on what Cornelius Lucas did today at tackle, but here's what I know. The line did its job. Dallas's defensive front, they're not the group that's been decimated the way other parts of the team have been. Um, it's not a great group, but it does have some talent up there. I thought he might have some issues with Alden Smith, for example. And I'll go, but I'll go back to free agency. When they signed a lot of guys, the whole point was to improve their depth. Too often in the past, if they lose a lineman or two, it was cause for major alarm. Listen, it still is depending on the guy, but while some of those players might not be quality starters, they are quality backups. And what they did was what quality backups are supposed to do. They came in and did and held their own, and they, they were able to go out and play winning football. I think part of the issue here is they have more guys who fit the backup depth description than being guys who are going to be good starters, not just in the line but in other places. But depth is needed as you build. And, again, that was a key focal point in free agency, and I think you're seeing that with guys like Wes Schweitzer. Came in, he's done some nice things filling in at multiple spots. Um, he, he's going to struggle at times in pass pro. He's not. He's he's a backup here for a reason, but he can fill in and give you a quality showing. They did not have that always in the past. Not with more. Certainly not with the the depth that maybe they have now. I'll be honest. I wasn't impressed by Lucas this summer at all. But today he had a quiet game, and that's a good thing. Again, I'll know more after I go back and watch. But they won the game, and it, I don't. I can't sit here and say, man, there, that there were multiple plays that I felt like he was just. A, a liability. Didn't see that, but again, we'll watch it and see, but they got the win. I also liked what I continue to see from defensive end Montez Sweat. He had two sacks and now is five for the year, but really it's more about him being a consistent performer on the edge, especially against the run. He does not, I don't think he has Chase Young ceiling, not many do, but Sweat can be a very good player. I liked him a lot coming out of college, and I was shocked that he was he dropped to 26. I know some of the health issues that teams were worried about with him, but when you watch him play in college, this is the guy that I saw that we're seeing this year. A lot of it, I think he's benefited as much as anybody from that switch to a 4-3. I know Dallas's line was banged up, and Sweat was facing some backups, but so what? The group did its job up front, and Sweat was key with that. It's not like he had been playing poorly and suddenly had a big game, no. Sweat has been playing well and playing consistently, especially against the run, but he continues to develop as a pass rusher. And so him getting those sacks, it was good to see. But again, you know, you have to be encouraged by the play of not just him, but Chase Young. Young continues to get doubled and chipped a lot, but he's also in the backfield a decent amount as well. So again, those are building blocks that you can be excited about. Finally, what does this win mean? Just like after the Philadelphia win, I'm not sitting here and changing my thoughts on where they're headed right now, partly because the second half of the schedule looks brutal. But what I do like is they haven't splintered as a group, and it helps that there's a lot of young guys and that they respect their coach. Look what's happened in Dallas. 
there will be some issues with that coaching staff. It sounds like there's stuff is already trickling out. But here, it's a group that, is lost, that had lost five straight games, was coming off a game it should have won, lost in crushing fashion based on a decision by the coach. But I also think that players a lot of times have a different opinion of those kind of decisions than fans or even sometimes media do. Um, they responded well in practice and Sunday. It doesn't mean they're now world beaters and that they're, st- they're still in the early stage of a rebuild. Even if they somehow managed to win the NFC East at, say, 6-10, and 10, they're still rebuilding. We, what you want is to build a championship team, not a team that goes 6-10. and 10. Rivera has been clear that one of the things he wanted to change first is the mindset here, establishing what's acceptable and what's not. Again, I go back to that two-point conversion. A lot of people didn't like it, but for him it was staying true to who he was and what he, the, what he wanted to show the players, the confidence and all that. And I, had a, I think I told you last time I had a story last week about the impact of those kind of plays when he was in Carolina. I suggest going back and reading it. Some good insight from some of the former Panthers. Um, Anyway, I like the way that this team has responded. Now, if they really want to show growth, they have to come out with a strong game against the Giants after the bye week. I know New York keeps losing, but they've actually almost always been in games. They just kind of find ways to lose except except for one game. So it's not like they're in the same categories the Jets are now Dallas. Still, let's not get it confused. They're also not very good, and it's not a team that should sweep Washington, not twice in three weeks. But for today, Washington did what it was supposed to do, and there were promising signs throughout. Well, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, lonoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lono Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020. For a discount. You can thank me later. And now, here's my conversation with the Richmond Times-Dispatch's Michael Phillips. Read his work, folks. He does a nice job. Well, I'm back with America's podcast guest, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael, 25-3 win over Dallas. In general, what is your big takeaway from this game? 
Well, I really enjoyed how they got the running game going with Antonio Gibson. Great breakout game for him. You know, you see Logan Thomas develop into what you want him to be, a guy who can make a tough catch on third down. Of course, we know Terry McLaurin's good. He's very good. But you also got enough out of that offensive line to make everything possible. And then on defense, Cole Holcomb, man. And I know we'll talk about Cole Holcomb. Yeah. Difference maker since he's come back, that's been a different unit. We talk about how good the front is. The front's very good. But you need something on the back end, too. And I think Cole Holcomb has provided it. You're absolutely right. And I think part of it, too, is clearly Dallas is not a good team right now. And they are banged <laughs> up. Now, having yeah. said that, this was a 1-5 team that we cover that had a couple guys missing on the offensive line and the receiver. So it's not like there are some juggernaut at full strength. But, so, but does that take anything away from this for you, or do you kind of like put that separate, say, yeah, Dallas is banged up, but this was a good win? It, it means something to me because they lost to, to a really bad Giants team last week. Mm -hmm. You know, if they had handled business against the Giants and Dallas, they're in first place, obviously, and you're talking about, yeah, they're first place, but they're not actually that good, like blah, blah, blah. But they lost to a bad team last week. So handling your business against a bad team, that's a step forward as far as I'm Absolutely concerned. Absolutely a step forward. I think the way uh, they it, handled it, too, they blew them out. And we do need to note, wow, Dallas, man, what an awkward plane flight home that's going to be. Like, <laughs> you you sign McCarthy and it's, hey, last guy didn't get us to the Super Bowl. Ray, Ray go to the Super Bowl. Hey, you're not even going to the the first place in the bad NFC East right now. I mean, that's a, you, you talk about a disaster going on <laughs> down there. And, and I know, again, they have all these injuries and all that, but it feels like a much different situation than up here with a new coach here with Rivera versus a new coach there. You don't hear the players upset no. the way you are down there. And I think that's a credit to whatever they're trying to build here. You think? I listened into McCarthy's post game a little bit because uh, Ben DiNucci, JMU guy, getting get the action, wrote about that, the old Richmond Times dispatch. There you go. Um, McCarthy says he would have liked for somebody to have pushed John Bostick or picked a fight with him after that that's a coach who's desperate that's a coach that's who's a out of options great point. like that's not a, a sentence from a coach who has things under control at the moment like the best he's got is i wish my guys were getting in fist fights out there well you know it's funny because i told um our guy sal pal was here at the game and i was talking to him at halftime i said dallas just looks like a dispirited team they are a defeated team and it's i think it goes beyond the injury so for people listening like <laughs> You're, we're kind of reveling. I guess you can revel in Dallas's misery because I think there's a lot of it right now. People enjoy that. that that's a good, good pastime in America is reveling in Dallas misery. <laughs> especially, especially for Washington fans. So, but let's go. Let's steer away from them and get yes. back to these guys. Antonio Gibson, what'd you like? Yeah, he, the he's. I think Logan Thomas put it well. He's trusting his reads more. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's you know he's waiting for things to develop. He's hitting the hole. Uh, and the offensive line gave him good stuff to work with, but but he was also working with it. What I really loved from Antonio Gibson, twice early in the game, he's bottled up. There's a couple guys on him, and he pushes forward to get an extra three okay. yards. And I love that because that's not even why they drafted him. That's not even who he is. He does the other things. He catches passes. He does this. He does that. But that's a power running back move there to, to move the pile for three yards after they get you. That got me excited. Yeah, that's, that, but that's a, that's a development for him, I it, think. Oh, no question. He's feeling more comfortable being a running back. And you think about, like, oh, you're playing football. What difference can it make? Standing behind the quarterback is different than standing eight yards to the left of, uh, sure. you know. Of, it's a different look. It's a different feel. The game reveals itself differently from that position. Same for Logan Thomas. You don't just move from quarterback to tight end. It's a different game being played at a different position. I, I think it's 
I think it's fair to expect there is still learning curve for Antonio sure. Gibson, but what a great step forward to see him excel as a running back. We, and it's funny that you bring that up because with Logan switching from a couple years ago, I think there's always this assumption for some people, well, if you can't make it this position, just switch. It's not that easy. It takes a special guy, I think, to be able to do that. And you see it, obviously, it does happen, yeah. but it's not easy. And so for Logan, as a former quarterback, you know, there clearly was a level of athleticism that he could bring there, but he's still learning too. And I think you start to see more and more. It's all I think with him too, it's a matter of trust. They clearly, the quarterbacks, do seem to trust him. I, I think what's cool is you see Haskins trusted him, and Haskins really liked him as a guy right. who would be there for him. And you say, that's great. Those two guys have a connection. We move to the next quarterback. Kyle Allen really likes him. Yep. And by the way, I think Alex Smith likes him too. We just haven't seen that play out in a game. That's three guys who all say, this is my guy I can lean on. This is my guy who can make a catch. Now, look, Logan Thomas is who he is. He's not a long-term number one tight end yep. in the NFL. He's a complimentary piece. But what a nice complimentary piece to have a guy, good locker room guy, trusted by the quarterbacks um, you know he's not the star of a winning team but he's on a winning team playing a role and making tough catches I also like the way he ended his press conference today by wishing everybody a happy tight end day <laughs> happy tight end day you guys yeah, I, <laughs> I, mean, I felt bad I didn't get him a gift which which lone oak brew is, is the traditional <laughs> tight end day gift I'm going with the Guji Ethiopian bean that's my favorite it's a tough tough yeah. gritty bean <laughs> there you go. But, but, yeah, but, you know, and one guy who hasn't switched positions, you brought him up earlier, Cole Holcomb. The, what's, in your eyes, what's the difference he's made? Yeah, and, and you know, not playing the, those few weeks. So, you know, not everything on the field is because of Hol Cole Holcomb. But one of the things that we, I think you would really notice this as well, you know, it, it, Rivera always had a really good middle linebacker yeah. in Carolina. Yeah, it's a great middle linebackers, obviously. Keekley comes to the top of that list. Mm. That's an important position. That, that is a position that sets the tone for the rest of the field, a, a position that can put other people in the right position to make plays. Uh, you know, quarterback of the defense, everybody says that all the time, of course. That's, that's an important position, and not that he needs to be an all-pro like those defensive linemen are, but he's smart enough to make sure people are in the right situations. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of those other guys that they're losing from defense, Landon Collins, because, like, I was told that, you know, earlier – likely a torn Achilles yeah. we'll find out for sure on Monday yeah. that it does not look good for yeah. him what would that mean what would that loss mean for, for this defense? he's been a punching bag for the fans but you always say well you know if there was somebody better on the roster they'd be playing right. you know, this has been a meritocracy nobody's out there just to be out there at this point in the season he was out there for a reason and I was glad to see him finally make that big impact play yeah. uh there uh you know the led to the safety. He didn't get the safety, but he, he caused the fumble that was recovered for the safety. Uh, DeShazer Everett got his nose in a couple situations yeah. today. That was nice to see. But, you know, Collins, a, a veteran guy who I think he had underachieved this year. We can all acknowledge that. Had a rough week saying he only had nine missed tackles. That was a laugh line. It, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't go over great. No. Um, so good to see him flash that playmaking instinct, at least show that he's still got it before probably, you know, now headed off to the IR for the yeah, season. Yeah, and, that, and that, it is a blow, too, because yeah. I also think he's a bit of a leader. Not sure. a bit. He is a leader yeah. on that defense, too. And so you don't like to lose anybody like that. Um, and if this team wants to develop, I think he's he's clearly a part of that development. So I think I think he's here long term. People have talked about, you know, him, him getting run out of town. You know, I feel this way about Kerrigan, too. I might eat my words in a couple days at the trade deadline if they can move him. But guys like that are guys, the veteran guys you want on a team long-term, guys who can set the tone, you are hard workers, are, are good leaders and mentors. Yeah, and, and, I, and I listen, I, I, 
nobody was calling on those guys to this point. And so I, I was not expecting them to go anywhere. And partly for your for the reason you just said on Kerrigan, especially on, nobody was going to trade for Collins, not with that contract. But, no. but with Kerrigan, I know that one of the reasons they want to keep him here is for exactly like what you said. You want to have guys like that around. And, and you and I were just talking, great to see Terry McLaurin step up yeah. into that role. He has earned that now. He is definitively the best player on this offense. Agreed? Oh, yeah. He's the most consistent, too. He might be the most consistent player on the team. He might be, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, we'll, Excluding Tress We'll White. argue Tress White. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Um, but he's earned his status as a superstar. He's been around long enough to, to see him speak to the team in the locker room after the game. I don't think that was something that maybe he, he would have naturally done. But guys have been telling him, you wrote about this week, guys have been telling him, hey, step up, be a leader. You've earned it. You can do it. I, I think he can do it. I, I think he was waiting for that invitation, which yeah. you'd rather see that than a guy who comes in, yap in his mouth, you know, from day one and doesn't have the production to back it up. And, He's yep. got the production. They trust him. And I agree because just people listening, we were, we were watching, right before we started taping this, we are watching the video from, I think, the Washington's feed mm-hmm. of Terry speaking to the team after the game. And... He's like, you know, basically said, I know I'm just a young guy and I'm not a captain, but, but yeah, I do. That's a, it's, it's a role that I know he was comfortable in at Ohio State, but he's also a guy who feels like he has to earn things before he can say something, which I think is part of the lure for a guy like him. Oh, no doubt. He'll, you know, lock him up. He'll be a star for a while yeah. in the NFL. Runs nice routes. He's stuck it to the Cowboys today. I, I think he felt pretty good about that. You know, that's, that's Ron Rivera's daughter who filled in those videos. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a talented family. It's a family affair, and and she was a chauffeur for Ron throughout a lot of his yeah. cancer treatments. She and and his wife Stephanie. Um, last thing, going into the bye week, where do you feel this team is at based on your expectations before the season? Where are they at? I still think they're closer to four and twelve than they are to home playoff game. You know, you look at the the way this breaks. <laughs> that might get a home playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that just be the – that would be the NFC East for you there, yeah. Uh, you know, I, this is a growing team. And, look, I'll, 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 I'll say my hot take for the end here. I don't think Kyle Allen is very good today either. I think they're trying to Alex Smith this together, you know, with a guy who's not, not flashy, not impressive, just isn't turning it over. I don't think Kyle Allen is that guy because I think he's too prone to the big mistake that, could, that would cost them against a good team. And you look at it, I mean, if Dallas scores right before halftime – it's, a, it's an 11-point game, and they get the ball to start the second sure. half. If they had any fight in them whatsoever, they could have made this a ball game, could. even though Washington was pushing them around. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to start planning the parade route yet. Um, I, if they win the NFC East, though, and especially with five, I'll be wearing that NFC East champion's <laughs> hat for years. I'll, I'll be the first one in line at Medell's buying that. <laughs> On that note, folks, thank you very much, Michael. You bet. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I used to love making all of my own spices. Now I love reaching for one of Dizzy Pig's craft seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour, 
using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the barbecue tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Just recently, I cooked a ribeye with their cow lick seasoning. Fantastic flavor. My wife really likes the mole and the Peruvian, and the popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. And if you're cooking turkey during the holidays, you have to use their Mad Max Turkey Rub. It's seasonal, so you can buy it now until January. With 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 15% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIM15, that's K-E-I-M-15, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. That's it for this episode. No Therapy Thursday this week. Thanks to Michael Phillips for joining me, and thank you for listening. The win over Dallas should always make you feel better. And thanks to Lono Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue for their continued sponsorship. Talk to you Thursday.